We just got back from talking to people we don't know about abortion, and now we're debriefing. We are Created Equal, and we're inviting you to debrief with us. Hey, y'all, I'm Lexi. Hey, and it's Seth Dreyer again, and we are looking forward to an important discussion today because, as always, we're breaking down debriefing after outreach, and today's discussion is about rape, one of the most common arguments we hear. We're going to hear about an actual conversation, as always, hear the audio from that, and talk about how we can all do better in our dialogue about this important issue. Yeah, and so today we were out um, in downtown Columbus talking to people about abortion. We were showing the victims of abortions with signs next to us, um, passing out literature, having conversations. And so joining us today, we have summer intern Cole. Thank you so much, Cole. Thank you for having me. So yeah, he had a conversation that is going to be really good to go deeper and to really extract um, some really good lessons that we can learn and um, insert those into conversations that we have with strangers or friends, family, um, whoever we're talking to about abortion. Um, So Cole, I kind of wanted you to give us like an overview of the conversation that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So um, the guy walked up, I was like, what do you think about abortion? And he was like, I support it. And I was like, oh, why do you support it? And he was like, I think that since I'm a man, I should not have a say in what women do with their bodies. And so I was like, oh, well, actually, um, this is an issue that affects men and that, you know, a lot of men don't get that. that, Like, this is a men's issue, too. It's pretty unpopular to be a pro-life man because people like the idea of letting women do what they want. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to be the like anti-feminist dude. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) That's why the slogan is no uterus, no opinion. Right. So if you do not have a uterus, you ought not have an opinion in this issue. Yeah. Except for, of course, we know those nine men on the Supreme Court, no uterus on that court at the time in 1973 when they gave us abortion on demand throughout the whole country, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Very, very true. So, okay, after he was kind of got past the, I'm not going to be pro-life or I'm not going to be against abortion because I'm a man, what else was he saying? What was his justification for being pro-abortion? Um, he said that because of the circumstance of rape, we have to allow abortions because it gets kind of dicey around whether or not you can actually prove whether or not the woman is raped. And so because of rape, we have to allow all abortions. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, also going back to, I mean, we kind of just talked about it, but what is, what do you say to a guy who comes up to you who's saying, I'm not going to tell you my opinion on abortion or I'm pro-abortion because um, I'm a man? Well, I, I address the fact that, first off, it takes two to tango, you know, the, the father's half the equation. And then also, uh, this is a human rights issue, not just a women's issue. Um, abortion equally kills men and women, boys and girls, and so it affects men and women, and therefore men should have a say. Right. Even here is the point that you, um, someone ought not have an opinion, is irrelevant too, because as, as we've talked before, Cole, you know that arguments don't have genders, people have genders. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether a man or a woman gives the argument against abortion. What matters is, is it a good argument, right? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And you know what, Seth? Whenever you say arguments don't have genders, people do. I'm so scared now that on co- college campuses, when I bring that up to somebody, they're going to be like, well, you can be a, a woman in that identify as a woman and um not be able to have an abortion not be able to get pregnant so i know now we can't even use the word gender really well that's the Um, interesting thing here though because it's a crisis not for the pro-life side but the pro-choice side who for so long has cast this as a women's rights issue to push people like cole and me out of this discussion mm -hmm. but now when they say that um anyone can be a woman regardless of whether you have a uterus they've lost that supposed high ground they have and i think we've seen after all really it is the pro-life side that is really here for women and we're going to get into that in a moment i think mm-hmm. that we're the ones who dignify women regardless of injustices they face in their own lives absolutely so going off of that what was the hardest part of the conversation that you were having 
Um, he kind of dodged around which argument he was using a lot of the time, and so getting him to really like stick to one argument was pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. That's always tough. Always challenging, right? I would say, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's something we want to analyze later when we get into this a little bit deeper. But first, I think just kind of, I would love to hear some of the audio mm-hmm. um, from this this conversation to hear how you were talking to him and what kind of things he was saying. And as I understand it, Cole, uh, you were at a busy street corner, so cars passing by, so it might be a little hard to hear him, so we yeah. can maybe narrate this for the audience too. Well, I mean, I, don't, I just think that, like, you know, in situations like if you do got raped or things like that, I feel like that's, you know, more than fine. Okay. If they're not financially stable to have a kid, I think that's okay. So, um, then do you think that rape or that abortion is only acceptable in those circumstances, or do you think it's acceptable in all circumstances? Because well, I think then you get to like the you know the hair picking between if you do it or not. So I think you just have to have let them have the choice. See, um, while I think that rape is a horrible thing and yeah. that we should prosecute the rapist fully, terrible. Um, I don't think that murdering the child is the solution to this problem. Um, aborting the child doesn't make it so that the mother wasn't raped, and by aborting the child, it makes them a secondary victim here, because the child isn't the victimizer in this scenario. They're not the ones instigating the rape. They're there because of the rape, so it doesn't make sense to punish them for something that their father did. Wow. That was a really good response. Mm -hmm. That was very, very good, and I I think um, I would like you to kind of recap it was kind of hard to hear, but you pretty much could hear that. Could you just kind of go over what he was saying? Yeah, so he said that because um, women were raped, they wouldn't want uh, to keep the child, and so abortion should be allowed. And so I responded that um, while this is a re- rape is a horrible thing that happens to women, and I don't think that rape is okay at all, that doesn't mean that murdering the child fixes the problem. The mother was still raped regardless of whether or not she gets the abortion. And the um, child becomes a secondary victim of the rape if they're aborted. I think it's super important. And so I want to just pause there, Cole, and kind of talk about what you did there. The same reason that brings us here to fight abortion would make us oppose all, all assault on any woman. And so I think it's really important you said that because we are often seen as only loving the babies. We love mothers and babies. That's why we go to Planned Parenthood as well, right? Try to help mm-hmm. them in that situation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really good to kind of disarm that. And then you did a great job on explaining, okay, the rapist needs to be charged for his crimes. Um, but then also always bringing it out back to the baby um, and how that baby has value just like anybody else and really humanizing the person who has been dehumanized by society. So that was really good. Um, and but he continues on in the conversation, um, and I was just like, well, what was the conversation after that? What did he continue on with? Um, well, he dodges around again about how he's a man, and so his view shouldn't be enforced on women, and so we kind of went over that again. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how the woman should have a right to do whatever she wants with her body, um, so like bring up bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's like, well, I understand the point you're trying to make, but you're not going to change my mind. And so he walked away. Okay. Yeah, sorry, Seth. I was going to just point, I was going to bring it back to you because I want you to kind of go over what do you talk, how do you talk to people who bring up the bodily autonomy argument and what's like kind of the underlying worldview with that? Well, I think it's super interesting that he brought this up. I mean, I hope all of our listeners can get the irony here, right? So he is saying that um, bodily autonomy means that, um, um, that the mother should have a right to do what she wants with her body regardless of how it affects the baby inside of her. That um, basically her body, her choice. Now, I think it's very ironic when you compare that with his lead-in about rape, 
The reason we oppose rape is a man has violated a woman's bodily autonomy, right? He has, um, you could say, my body, my choice, do what I want to do. But no, he's harming someone else's body, and that's wrong. So what is an abortion? And cool, I think that you would, you're standing by this picture that clearly showed that abortion is harming someone else's body. Yeah. Those pictures are, are brutally dismembered children. And if you look at those and say, no, this, this child, that didn't harm it at all, you're, you're not looking at it close enough. Exactly. It's really defeating his own argument if you really think about it. But I think Cole is right on the head. What is it? Right on the head. Am I even saying that right? I hope hitting hitting the nail on the head, hitting, I think. Hitting the nail on the head. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't really know. Um, please but, insert um, useful illustration. Yes. Yes, please. Um, so whenever he was talking about the hardest part of the conversation is trying to get him to agree with one argument. Mm. Because that's what's really hard with this is... He's not really wanting to pick any way to go down. He's kind of throwing out everything that he's heard, maybe on different social media posts or just from other people in his classes. He's just throwing everything out there, trying to get you to refute it. And we can refute every single one of them. But we just ask people who are pro-abortion, what's what's the point? Why are you truly pro-abortion? Can you be honest about that um, and not just try to hide behind all of this nonsense honestly i don't know if that's really <laughs> well, nice to say but. i want to throw it back to cole on this on that very point lexi i think it's really important um so i mean there are more points we could make about bodily autonomy we have a whole presentation on bodily autonomy and underscoring the point that basically there are limits to it you're right to swing your arm ends when you hit someone else you should not harm someone else with your Absolutely. body but so i think that we can have that great argument have a longer conversation with all the points about it but when you go into a real conversation you don't always get the chance to give a full rebuttal. So, Cole, I'm curious, as you're having more conversations all this internship long, have they been pretty simple, logical, straightforward, or you find yourself jumping a lot, like in this conversation? A lot of jumping around, a lot of rabbit trails. It's very infrequent that I get somebody who comes up and is just like, well, this is why I think abortion's wrong, and you're like, oh, well, this is why X, Y, and Z. That's simple. actually not right. And then they're like, oh, guess I'm pro-life now. Um, <laughs> Well, okay. doesn't happen very much. But. Right. So then we see a lot of mind changes, but not when someone just has a simple argument, quick rebuttal, done. Right. Conversations mm -hmm. are we're talking to people mm -hmm. who have often conflicting worldviews we have to work through and analyze and discuss. Yes. And so what have you found, Cole, anything useful um, to help someone in a conversation kind of stay on track with conversation and dialogue? Um, asking questions can really help, if, especially if you can lead the person to like a situation in which they do kind of. You, you bait out their underlying principle. Mm -hmm. It's usually that the child isn't human. Um, and so if you can kind of bait them out and get them to say that, then you can argue that one point. That's good. Something else I would add to that um, would be just being, which I think you've done many times in many conversations, but be super upfront and explicit with our basic argument, right? Because they often don't believe they have a wrong view of our position. So yeah. Cole, just for all of our listeners, if you just summarize the basic syllogism, the case against abortion, why do we say abortion is wrong? Yeah, so we say abortion is wrong because it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being, and elective abortion does that, and therefore elective abortion is wrong. Very good. So I think that's super important in conversation to bring back up to remind them why we're here. And Lexi, I'm not sure throwing it back to you in a moment what you would do, but I found it also helpful when someone's jumping back and forth, bodily autonomy, rape, that are connected topics, but sometimes not clearly so, helping them commit to one line of argument to go through mm -hmm. all the way. 
It's kind of just narrating the conversation, kind mm-hmm. of in your mind, pausing and saying, hey, let's just pause for a minute, even actually not in your mind, actually say, let's pause and summarize what happened. Say, you said this, I said this, you jumped there, now we're there. Can we agree to follow one point all the way through? And hopefully they'll actually agree to do that once you've made it kind of explicit and narrated for them what has happened. Mm-hmm. That's what I do all the time because I learned it from you. <laughs> um, but before I started doing that, oh my goodness, I would be like ran over with a million arguments and it would put so much stress on me to have to refute them. So um, for everybody listening, if you're in a conversation with somebody about abortion and they're just throwing like a million arguments at you, don't let them get away with that because you're not throwing a million arguments at them or you shouldn't. It's basic. It's simple. Um, Our argument is clear and they just need to find a hole in our argument. It can't be done because we stand (laughs) on the truth, but they can try all day long if they would like. Um, not to be rude, that kind of sounded mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that really wasn't supposed to be mean. But um, You're boasting in truth, not yourself. So Yes, yes. Um, so that's kind of what you have to do because then you are just going to be going in circles round and round and round, um, especially if they just don't want to give up the position that they have on abortion. Well, can we go back then to like back to what Cole was saying? I think that going deeper, there's a really important point here about rape. So we talked earlier about how our opposition to abortion, the reason we oppose it also motivates us to oppose rape. I think Cole made a couple important points I just want to underscore. Number one is that abortion does not unrape someone. You kind of conveyed that point in the conversation, Cole. What did you mean by that? Um, so basically, the rape that that happened, it's not right, but it's final. It's a thing that's happened. And now, no matter what you do, that is something that has happened. And so getting the abortion doesn't fix the fact that you were raped or doesn't Make take it, it away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that trauma cannot be removed. And that's why that's why we are so we had this we we so boldly say the man ought to be prosecuted. Whoever did the rape should be prosecuted because they did an action that cannot be erased. Mm-hmm. That trauma is there. The question now is what will she do? Will she compound the trauma with it with now becoming a victimizer or will she um will she not do that? That's the question. So um I think that one important thing to remember is you talked then going on the conversation, sorry, you talked about identifying who's the victim and victimizer. So kind of walk us through what you were doing in the conversation there. Um, so everybody understands in that scenario that the, that the rapist is the victimizer and the woman is the victim. But if the woman gets an abortion, then we're um, dealing with a secondary victim to the initial rape because the woman is now becoming a victimizer by murdering her child, and the child is now becoming a victim of that murder. And so... The child, by extension, is a secondary victim of the rape. It's such an important principle, Lexi. I'm sure you've used this a lot too, but uh, we've heard these stories. I remember reading um, the news years ago that some woman in Saudi Arabia was raped, and they punished her. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so disgusting. disgusting. You don't punish victims. So we all should agree, don't punish the mom who's been raped. Punish mm-hmm. the rapist. The question is, as you said, what is the identity of the baby? I would clearly say secondary victim, and because by by best case scenario, when she's born, her biological father is in jail, right? Best case scenario. And worst case, we could go there, but let's not do that right now. So by definition, she's entering a world uh, that is not ideal for her, in her situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that also goes back to humanizing the child, humanizing the preborn baby, because um, if we bring that to anybody else, like if I'm, whenever people are against abortion for other cases um, outside, um, they're against it for other cases except for rape, if you point to the child whenever we're standing outside, we obviously have victim images with us that we can easily point to. But in conversations that you're having, even if you have it up on your phone, show them what an abortion victim looks like and say, can you tell me, was this child conceived in rape or not? 
And if you were told that this child was conceived in rape, would you think this was any less gruesome? The answer is no, because abortion is gruesome. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. It's murder. Um, and the victim, how the victim was conceived doesn't change that. That's a powerful point, Lexi. Even I think I've on campus before said, look around you at people walking by. You can't tell if they were made in love or in violence. Mm -hmm. What we can know is that they are humans and every human counts. And imagine if we say that it's okay to kill uh, secondary victims of rape, the babies made in rape. What does that mean for people who are walking around born people made in rape? They would be valueless. Mm -hmm. What a low view of humanity. I think that's what we get back to here. This worldview animating this position that we should kill people because of their father's crime of raping their mothers is a very low view of humanity. Our worldview is that every single human made in love or in violence, black, white, rich, poor, every human is created equal. That is the better, more reasonable worldview. I completely agree. And that's why we can stand on that truth. And there's there's no way to refute that. Um, and so I think in your conversation, you did it really well in speaking to him um, and giving him the arguments. He left. He didn't change his mind. But that doesn't mean that you, he's not going to think about what you told him. And that's what's really important. Um, and other people, his friends, if he brings that conversation up to his friends and tells them what you said, maybe their wheels will start turning as well. Yeah. And just one more thing for anyone else listening and for uh, all of us, because we're all going to have a lot more conversations about this a lot. What about rape is one of the most common arguments and um, for various reasons. But I think it's important for everyone to remember that when you are a victim of something, that does not justify victimizing someone else, which you referenced earlier, Cole, mm -hmm. right? This is not at all the same thing. But years ago, I remember someone had bashed in my car windows and I was angry. I was a victim of um, vandalism. But I would not be justified in going and bashing in my neighbor's car, right? It was not his fault. And yeah. a victim doesn't have now the right to go victimize someone else. I think you made that point very well. And back to what you were saying, Lexi, the humanity of this child makes clear that we should not hurt her, what her father did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cole, anything else you want to say about this conversation or any other thoughts in your mind? Um, nope. Well, I think it's a really, really instructive <laughs> <Nope>. one, right? <laughs> well, you got it all out there, right? So um, I think um, for everyone listening, hopefully this... Um, hopefully will help all of us to have better conversations. That's why we're here, to reach more people. So anyone listening, you know the drill. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us at Created Equal on Facebook, at Created Equal Org on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we are Created Equal. Thank you for debriefing with us. <laughs>